Joining me for this first segment are a number of people I want to introduce to you right now. Uh, Dora Malik is right next to me. She's a writer, an educator, and the director of the Iowa Youth Writing Project. Uh, Joe Tiefenthaler, next to Dora, is the Fall Residency Coordinator for the International Writing Program. Uh, Catherine Blauvelt is a recent graduate of the Iowa Writers' Workshop and a coordinator of the Iowa Youth Writing Project. And Emily Seipel is a UI senior who works for the IWP during its fall residency and Between the Lines summer program. Uh, so uh, we have a lot to talk about here. I first of all need to find out what face-to-face -face is. What is this project? Adora, I'm going to go to you first. Face-to-face -face is a program uh, that came about through a University of Iowa public engagement grant. Um, and basically, the Iowa Youth Writing Project is um, an outreach initiative of the Writers' Workshop and the community here in Iowa City. Um, and it started as a really uh, grassroots effort um, and sort of grew into a big volunteer base to basically bring language arts opportunities and the literary uh, sort of cultural capital of the Iowa City and University of Iowa community out into the larger community of Iowa. Um, and so uh, Joe from the International Writing Program got in touch with us to apply for a public engagement grant for the International Writing Program to partner with a community group, that being the Youth Writing Project. Um, and so we sort of dreamed up face-to-face -face as a way to both bring uh, the, the, the kind of literary heritage of Iowa City out to the community and also to introduce um, the community and co communities of Iowa to the writers from the International Writing Program who are here um, for a couple of months uh, in the fall semester um, and, and to kind of give them an opportunity to, to get outside of Iowa City and, and meet um, some of the young writers in Iowa. Um, and Joe can probably add a little more to that. Yeah, uh, the writers participating in our residency every year get a lot of opportunities to go visit college classrooms, adult audiences, and we've been looking for ways in which we could get them more geared towards youth. And there seem to be very few UI mass emails I pay attention to in my inbox, uh, but when this one came in, I just immediately shot it over to Dora because we've been, uh, you know, we're very aware of the Youth Writing Project and have been wanting to work together for, for a couple of years now. And this was sort of the perfect the perfect way, and as Doris said, it, it gives our writers the chance to not only work with youth, but to get them across the state of Iowa. I'm a native Iowan and uh, could not be happier to get them into various communities that are not quite like Iowa City. Picking the communities uh, was a, a mixed bag, uh, I guess. Um, it was important for us for this project to go all over the state as, as far and wide as possible. Um, so uh, we went uh, to Northwest Iowa and we had uh, some contacts in Northeast Iowa, and then uh, Dora with the Youth Writing Project already had some, uh, some existing contacts. I don't know if you wanna talk about those partners. Yeah, we also went to Des Moines and, in, um, and Ottumwa, and so it's not quite the four corners of Iowa, but it was sort of like a roughly, roughly four corners shape. Um, and uh, and in, in Des Moines, we, we had the good fortune of working um, last year uh, with Joy Lyle at Indian Hills Community College, um, and we'd work with their Upward Bound program. Um, and so we thought, okay, Indian Hills is, is this wonderful partner, um, and we had an amazing turnout there. And then in Des Moines, we'd been working with the Youth Writing Project with uh, the, the group Monsoon United Asian Women of Iowa. Um, and so to be able to kind of introduce the international writers into this sort of pre-existing equation of partnerships in different places was really wonderful. Well, let's talk a little bit to Catherine and uh, to Emily and, and tell us what your roles were in this project. 
Uh, Catherine, let's start with you. Okay, yeah. Um, my role was to uh, organize what was going on in the workshops. So I worked with the international writers and the team from the IYWP, and we put together um, different lessons. The theme was identity. Um, dived into what their names mean, um, what they know how to do, what it has to do with the land around them, their town, where they're from. Um, it was an exchange, for me it was an exchange of knowledge and I think for most people participating because we're learning what, um, about them and they're learning about us. There was a student that I uh, worked with that did 4-H and I didn't, I'm not from Iowa, so I didn't know what that was and it was just like, whoa, this is incredible and it's a an, chance too to tell them how incredible they are and just sort of like bring to light all of their uh, talents that already exist and also working with words, giving them permission, like showing them a new way to express themselves to mm -hmm. get it out. And did you organize workshops in all of the uh, locations, not yeah. just here? With everyone, yeah. Mm -hmm. So we got together before each workshop and um, just discussed like, okay, what do we wanna, how do we wanna go about writing this or that this week? Or mm -hmm. It was cool. Yeah, very cool. And uh, Emily, what was your role? Um, well, as a student at the university, um, it took me about like one and a half or two years, I think, to really leave the campus. And um, yeah, once I just realized that there were just like these amazing sub-communities um, all over the city, my role for them, um, it was more important for me to be a neighbor or like figure out how to listen to them and hear their experience um, rather than just be a student in their city. Um, and I guess I saw face-to-face -face as a way of making that vision um, even bigger. Um, where I was looking at like how do I fit into Iowa City and this program really saw like how does Iowa City fit into Iowa mm -hmm. and so I just got to help with some of the planning some of the workshop planning and then um, I really <laughs> prefer just to like talk one-on-one -on -one with the students and just help them if they have questions and yeah getting to know them is amazing. So, mm -hmm. so what kind of participation Dora and Joe did you have <coughs> from um, interested students around the state? We, we basically, I mean, we sort of didn't know what, what to expect, who to expect, um, and I think th the most amazing thing in terms of participation is to see on all levels how diverse Iowa is. Um, I think that, you know, talking with some of the international writing program writers who are here, I think there might be this sense of Iowa looks this way or Iowa sounds this way or, or just a big abstract, just a big sort of blur that you fly over. Um, and to actually meet, I mean, to, to, to meet youth, and these are, are uh, you know, from preteen to, to, to teenage years and just sort of hear about where they've come from, their journeys to, to come to Iowa, whether they're born in Iowa or whether they've come from uh, elsewhere. Um, and to just kind of, I mean, we called it face-to-face, -face, uh, sort of just trying to trying to think of a title, um, but it really ended up actually saying a lot about the program um, in the sense of having um, the, the having the faces of Iowa and the minds of Iowa, the youth of Iowa, become so much less abstract, um, and and just to to meet these amazing young people, um, and like Catherine's saying, in terms of knowledge, I mean, just what they know and what they experience, um, it was it was fantastic. Um, and, uh, and both in rural communities and urban communities um, and you know, that kind of diversity, uh, religious diversity, all different kinds of diversity. So I think that was really um, the most amazing thing about uh, the, the participants that came to this. Yeah, well, I think in total, too, there were more than 70 students yeah. in you know, the age ranges of 12 to 18. Mm -hmm. And you know, you're 
you know, we're now talking with uh, undergraduates at Iowa, faculty at Iowa, staff at Iowa, um, some of the graduates from the writers' workshop, some current students in the workshop. So it was really uh, a, a, a mixed bag of, of people in a classroom. Well, for someone who may be watching this program who doesn't really, doesn't live in this area, maybe doesn't know much about the Iowa Youth Writing Project or about the International Writing Program, let's just give a, a little short summary of, of what you do year long with the Iowa Youth Writing Pro uh, Project and um, what the International Writing Program is and what it means to this state. The Iowa Youth Writing Project is, it's a nonprofit language arts outreach uh, organization. Um, and it sort of has one foot uh, in the community and one foot in the university. Um, and, uh, and so essentially, we feel like they're, they're enrichment programs, um, but this is more than that. I mean, it's a community building program. Um, and it's about empowering and inspiring young people to use their voices uh, to achieve their own goals now and for the rest of their lives. Um, and so this isn't uh, sort of the writer's workshop for kids. Uh, it's not sort of saying you all need to be poets or fiction writers. It's more saying here's language, here's this tool that we all use, we all need to know how to use, and we all should feel is our, our right, not a privilege, but a right to be able to use our voices um, to achieve our goals. And in terms of doing that, um, Catherine was talking about the exercises that she planned. We like to, um, to keep it fun and keep it weird. Um, and so, for example, we're, ta we're talking about identity. But if you walk into a, a room and say, tell me about your identity, uh, that's a pretty good way to have brains shut down um, and be daunted by that. So, so uh, writers like... Um, like Catherine went to the Writers' Workshop, or her sort of her co-leaders, uh, Montreux Rothholtz and Fatima Espiritu, uh, basically brainstormed together and thought of, okay, where are all the, if we don't want to come in at identity through the front door, where are all these crazy side doors and windows and chimneys that we can come in through? And they sort of invent these exercises inspired by their own practice as creative writers um, that hopefully uh, give both permission to students saying, you can be funny, you can be wild, you can use your imagination, and also you can use these tools of language and creativity to achieve your goals, not just on the paper, but in the rest of your lives. Uh, international Writing Program, I always like to say, it was conceived really on a rowboat in the middle of Lake McBride in about 1965 or 1966. Uh, then director of the uh, Writers' Workshop, Paul Engel, uh, was on the boat with his wife, her soon-to-be wife, Walling Nia, and she just turned to him and said, you should do this, but with international writers. He kind of said, you're crazy. That would never work. Um, nevertheless, they started this program in 1967, and in those 45 years, uh, we have hosted over 1,400 writers from more than 135 countries. And now the program, it's gone through a lot of shapes. It used to be a year long, and it was six months long. It's gone uh, through various housing developments. Uh, but now it is a 10-week program uh, where they, they get eight weeks in Iowa City, two weeks of travel around the United States to go visit other literary communities. And, uh, and we're almost at a close. And so it's, it's been a very quick fall. And we're going to have a chance to speak to some of the International Writing Program uh, writers who are visiting this fall. Um, and um, also with some of the students who took part in this uh, workshop in just, a, in just a minute here, so we look forward to that. But um, Emily, tell me something. You are still an undergraduate here at the University of Iowa, and was writing always a big part of your life? Um, yeah, definitely. That's um, why I decided to come to the university. Um, and I've heard that from so many people, too, and just being coming here and seeing that there is a community of writers. Um, but I think that was kind of 
probably why I started looking off the campus. That was sort of my crisis. Like, uh, there's this community of writers, but I'm in a bigger community. Um, so yeah, just being able to use writing as a way to um, hear from people that I wouldn't even normally hear from in this community of writers that I had come to study with um, has been really great. Mm -hmm. So part of what I wanted to do with the project face-to-face um, -face was to invite voices from Iowa City. And so even with us today, there's two students from a neighborhood really close to me, and that was really special to get to bring them here. Yeah, great. Well, um, we're going to be hearing some of these writings, as I, as I said earlier. Did you have rules set up within the workshop so that uh, part of the day is spent, for example, creating poetry, or part of it is writing uh, a narrative, or any way somebody wanted to use language, 140 characters or less? Could, could they do anything they wanted to do? No rules. No rules. <laughs> no, no wrong answers. Um, we, we came in with like a bunch of different props and examples and showed them maybe, you know, we would read a poem and then how to pick, a, pick apart it in certain ways. Like they, they um, collage together images from their, their home, the outside, the sky, and like how th this particular writer put their piece together. And then we said, this is one way you could approach the exercise. But if something rang true, um, they wanted to discuss their feelings about a saying that their mom always used to say to them and how that's a part of their identity, we were like, go with it be wild that way too. Yeah. So it was really amazing to see how all of the students tackled um, just identity, who they are, and mm -hmm. just, it was cool. Yeah. So what was the biggest surprise that, that you two witnessed during this whole thing? The talent. Hmm. Um, I, following this last question, I just keep thinking of uh, the room in Okoboji when you, you would have one well, Ashley should be writing this beautiful poetry, and this other participant w was writing. Uh, correct, it's cat fan fiction. What was? Cat fan fiction. Yeah. Was, so she was writing fan fiction, and someone else was writing be like other beautiful prose, and and everything was just wonderful. Yeah. Um, yeah. It, it it's pretty amazing uh, and humbling in a way, and very frightening how much better they are. Uh, at writing than like I am. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Why Dora is creative writing a tool that helps unlock uh, a young student, an older person? I mean, was it about creative writing that makes this a really good way to, to um, build community? That's a really big question. Um, and I think that there would be different answers for different people. Um, I think that in, in the most basic sense, language is a tool that we all use. Um, and uh, I think that to, to take this tool that uh, it's using something that's already in our heads, we have language in our heads, um, you don't have to pay for it per word, you don't have to uh, you know, have special supplies to do it. Essentially, it really does belong to all of us. Um, and so to have this organization of volunteers um, who believe in, you know, so that they're doing things um, from a place inside of themselves, um, using this tool language that comes from a place inside of themselves to connect with other people outside of themselves is kind of this amazing paradox. And then the idea of putting it on paper, putting that communication on paper, uh, it can have this life outside of yourself. It can go, it can travel. Um, and so I think that, that in that sense, 
um, it, it belongs to everybody. Um, and there's something wonderfully subversive about that too. Uh, so yes, people get degrees, people go to college, people go to graduate school, um, but this is sort of about saying you don't need a seal of approval. This belongs to you already. This is already yours to express yourself. Mm -hmm. Did you find that some of the students had already done an awful lot of writing on their own, uh, that they had maybe just kind of kept to themselves until they had an opportunity to kind of let it out? Did you hear any anecdotal stories from students you were working with? Um, we were doing one exercise in Iowa City about names, and this one student was like, I have an idea for a book, and I've been working on a book at home. Can I just write about that instead? And I was like, yes, please, just keep finishing your book. And <laughs> it was wonderful, and it was about some yeah. made-up land, and he's in front of me, so he's a little nervous. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it was great when they just would like start running with something in a completely new direction. Mm -hmm. Yeah, great. And the students were aged between 12 and 18, you said. Was there sort of a, a, a most common age group? Or, or really went the whole gamut? It really ran the whole gamut. And I, I would say maybe uh, sort of between 14 and 16 was, was the common age. Um, but I have to say, and this is sort of tied into what, what people are saying and that age range, I think we were a little bit concerned thinking, uh, when with other youth writing project activities, we've sort of wondered, okay, if there are kids with this age range in the room, that's not sort of traditional. You go by grade um, and you stick to that grade. And so one of the beauties of having kids across an age range, a geographical range, all, all these different kind of diversities, um, is seeing not just the talent, but the kindness. Um, like I just saw two, I'm gonna make them embarrassed, but but two two young men um, who just met each other for the first time and one was was hearing the other's story or book being talked about and there's like an elbow, like a oh, man, that's you, that's you, you know? And so just seeing like the, the kind, I mean, I know we say, oh, kids are our future, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but this is like in the least abstract way, there is so much empathy and so much thought and compassion um, that comes th out through this kind of shared trust and expression of, okay, we're all here to express ourselves. We're, we're here on a, I mean, this is a Saturday. We're here outside of school. We chose to be here because we have these things going on inside of us, or we're just curious about the world. We want to get out there and, and check it out for ourselves. Mm -hmm. um, so th that's really kind of amazing to see. Mm -hmm. well, and so much of that that was brought right to them. The, the writers from the program that went on these excursions were you know, 12 or 13 writers, each of them from a different country. It was you know, New Zealand and Botswana and Burma, mm -hmm. Iraq. And so the kids were working directly one-on-one -on -one with some of the world's best writers. Yeah, and, and the kids recognized that they were working with a real pro here, huh? I, I hope so. I think they did. <laughs> I think they did. <laughs> well, we're going to uh, hear some of the, the work that the uh, students put together, and I, I wonder if you can help lead us into this next segment. Uh, perhaps that should be you, Catherine. So, yeah. uh, tell us this will be the kids will come up and do their collaborative work, and then we have a couple of individual writers, I think, as well. The students that we work with today created for you a word choir, and it's there's just... I mean, I guess I'll just let them tell you what it is when they're up here. It's a mingling of their wor worlds together. And then we're going to hear from a, a couple of individuals. And the format is that they all worked, uh, everybody contributed a line yeah. to, to yeah. one large piece. Mm -hmm. They weaved in these different details about their world. So 
Okay. I don't want to give too much away. Okay. It's so exciting. All right. Like, well, we're going to get what? ready then, and okay. uh, we'll set the students up here at the end microphone, and Joe will help us get started. So for this, uh, for just now anyway, I'll say thank you to Emily Seifel and to Catherine Blauvel and to uh, Joe Tiefenthaler and to Dora Malek. Please give them a hand. My favorite family, if my favorite family member were a sound, she'd be the, she'd be the crackle of flames. If my family member was a, had a sound, it would be a kaboom. <laughs> my dad. Like a road runner, meet meet. <laughs> the sky is dark, but still hides the bright light known as the ghost sky. While wind blows outside of my house, pushing each leaves to the south, the chimes hit each other, making melody that fills my head and secures me somehow of my future. My town would sound like the music of the piano, flute, and the trumpet playing constantly. My dreams are becoming a chef. I love cooking many things. I love cooking eggs and chicken, and I love how it sizzles on the pan and smells like a palace house. The sound of my future would be a roar because it, it, my future is scary. Silence is my power. I don't talk much. It's like I'm not there. Um, if a diner wants a sandwich that had my name after it, my brother would be on, my, on the sandwich. My sky is transparent and the sun is a mirror. If a diner were to name a sandwich after me, It'd have choc burned chocolate and burned brownies in it because I love the smell and taste. My three talents are drawing, basketball, and music. Catwoman has eaten like a wolf after running, well, running after a fox. Ow! In my town, everyone knows everyone. We're family. Shh. A ballet describes me. There's emotion. There's thoughts. There's there's lives are drawn within their moves. Every move describes me as the same for themselves. My sky is many colors, but mainly soft pink and bright orange. I love laughing a lot because laughing makes people's day. Although people tell me to stop or calm down, that doesn't stop me. Nothing or no one will make me who I'm not to be. My constellation would be a lion drinking monster because lions and because I love lions and monster. Lions are scary and I like their manes. <laughs> my room is an art gallery, full of colors and full of drawings. My zoo is mine to be, um, and lions are everywhere to see. The holidays in my family smell like pecan pie, flawed lipstick, and a birch tree. If I could describe my town in one word, I'd, I'd use swoosh or zoom. Cars zoom by by my house every time of the day. If I was a character from a book, I would be Aragon. She runs toward her twin, chilling on a dirt road. My hometown crackles with excitement. Zap! I'm old, my hands are wrinkled, my body's worn out. But as I stare at myself, I see within my eyes the peace and the joy of of all that I've gone through, I go. 
When I graduate college, I want to become a missionary to Brazil because I love teaching kids. Coming from FedEx is a huge lie. My brother bothers me about it. The thing is, he doesn't notice he's from UPS. Just kidding. <laughs> My dance move is picking grass because I like picking grass. The grass is slippery and it smells like happiness. My sky is vibrant, blue, red, pink, lots of colors. If I were to describe what I see in my town every day, um, I would describe a cow eating hay. <laughs> the sound of my future is a roaring sea. Our future. My fu the sound of my future is the goal smashing into the net. <laughs> it's the soccer. The sound of my future is woohoo! <laughs> the sound of my future is <laughs> The smell of my home is strong with incense and it burns my nose with the scent of strong lavender and delicate vanilla. Well, I guess my sound of my future is anything really. I don't know. <laughs> The sound of my future is singing. The sound of my future is sizzle. <laughs> the sound of my future is roar. The sound of my future is do to do to do. The sound of my future is yay. So uh, listen, we have a number of people who are going to read a little bit more that they've written. And um, let me ask you to tell us your name, where you're from, and, and then read something for us. Okay. My name is Paige Evans, and I'm from Eldon, Iowa. The, the thing I'm going to be reading is called My Paradise. Okay. The evergreen trees making a canopy like the sea. The leaves are rustling like waves making a soothing sound. It feels like riding in a car on a warm day. We all talk like we've been best friends forever. Laughter and joy fills my ears. The birds making a lovely melody as they soar the bright blue sky. Everyone can be themselves without acting. No makeup. Nothing to cover up the real you. Everyone is wearing whatever they are most comfortable in. The smell of fresh flowers is amazing. Everything is making conversation. The delightful sound of a piano is among us. The sunset is a beautiful mix of colors, purple, orange, blue. I am writing like I've never wrote before. My writing is my canvas. Thank you very much, Paige. Thanks. Hi, please introduce yourself then. Well, my name is Beverly Santiago, and I will be reading one of my poems um, called My Name. And it goes like this, Beverly Julie Santiago Sanchez, that's my name. Born in Puerto Rico in a rainy morning, my mom and dad stared at me as I laid on a warm, cozy blanket. As I grew up and become a young adult, my name started to make sense. Definition of Beverly means a group of beavers, but my loving mom named me Beverly because as I lay on that cozy blanket, my mother stared at me and said, 
rich, my girl, you will become, famous as those that live in Beverly Hills. But what about Julie? Is it, is it not one of the months of the year? My mom will pronounce it Julie, but as English, as English person reads my name, they pronounce it July. Sanchez, sounds more like a very adult-like, but I don't mind. Santiago, my real father's last name in which I'm disappointed. Why have Santiago as my name? My dad doesn't write to me, call me, or even send a photo of, me, of himself. Every time I see that name, it makes me feel sad, gloomy, disappointed, mad, and overflowing of tears. Tears that fill my cup and which might shatter to pieces. Me, as a young adult, as I stare at my name, Beverly Julie Santiago Sanchez, I am grateful for it. Because then who will I be without it? Thank you, Pepper. Mm -hmm. Hi, please introduce yourself. Hi, I am Julia Peace. I'm from Ottumwa, and my essay does not necessarily have a name. I am of the Amazon, the rainforest so lush and green, exotic fruits and foods and animals that I see or eat every day. I am of the piranhas, fish that I eat, and the giant caiman skull on my father's study desk. I am of family stories from my great-grandpa down to me. I feel responsible to keep them for the next few de generations. I am of the dozens of drawing in my folder that I have drawn, drawn for the last few months. Thank you. Hi. What's your name? Um, stupid to call me. Uh, my name is Miguel Santiago, and I'm a brother, of course. And um, well, my, my poem is called What I Know. We all have something we know how to do. We all have talents for ourselves. I, in that case, know something that some people may not know what to do. Some could draw, others could paint, but I have my world to draw. I know that when I draw, I draw to put my feelings and problems away to another world. Drawing is what I know how to do. It's my key to getting a world that nobody has seen, just me. I have people, friends, telling me to draw them a picture. I do draw them, but I see something in them when I draw. I draw what I see in them, it's what I know how to do. It's what I'm born with, a pencil in my hand and a paper on the other hand. It's what I know how to do best. It's like making music, except I'm making drawings with songs not heard. Hi, my name's Julianne Wyckoff, and I'm 13, and I am from Eldon, Iowa. And I'm gonna be reading my name. My name is Julianne. It means a long, thin cut in the cooking world, to be exact. I was named after Julianne Huff for singing and dancing when I was little. I do not like my name, for it is long and boring. I'd rather have a name like Victoria. The name is the name I have always wanted. It's like a Victoria taken seriously, unlike Julianne. I imagine a Victoria as a long, tall, brown-haired girl looking for adventure and excitement. The name Julianne is like being locked in a tower waiting to see the sun. And my name is Julianne and will always be Julianne. Thanks very much. Hi, I'm Gracie, and I'm from Kyoto, and my poem is titled The Essence of Reality. Being in love, but getting heartbroken, wanting to travel, but having nowhere to go, trying to be real, but acting fake, trying to save, but drown, trying to expire, inspire, but fail, trying to smile, but frown, having a home, but no family, being strong, but getting hurt, having light, but no shine, having thoughts, but can't express, having rain, but no shine, wanting to be wanted, but having no time. Thanks a lot. Yes, please. Hello, my name is Anastasia Shorpitska, and I'm an student from Russia here. Now, the following year, I will be seeing Keswick, Iowa. And um, 
the short story I have is an answer for a question of who I am. I am a tree with a trunk of olive oil and with branches of wheat, and two seas shining as you see them. I'm an umbrella and a room for my friends, a sponge for those who have too much, and a rain for those who've lost. I'm a bird for my grandmother, a mirror for my cousin, a yellow storm for my best friend, a heart for my teachers, a porcupine for my enemies, an old town for strangers, a compass for those who lost, a stars for those who want to reach me, a hotel for those who walk away from me, and I'm another person for myself. Thank you. Let's uh, give him a hand. So, so let me just ask anybody who wants to answer the question, um, what has it been like for you to sit down in a room with not only teachers and international writers you've never met before, but also students, some of you originally from other countries, um, what has it been like to sit down and sort of go through this whole process and come up with your own thoughts on paper? Um, perhaps you'd like to answer. <laughs> well, as I say, I'm Beverly. Um, well, it is kind of awesome to see how how people normally write their feelings, their emotions, their thoughts in a piece of paper. Like you see other people, and you know, they, their expression, their emotion might be through music, through you know, instruments, through sports, even sports, through different kind of things. But as for myself, my, my expression is writing. And even though you, a person can't say a lot through you know, voice, you, as you read their papers, as you listen to them, you can really um, see their personality, their emotions, their, who they really are. And they say a lot through paper than you know, mm -hmm. just having mm -hmm. the speech and everything. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's kind of awesome to get to meet other people from other countries, especially when their accents are really awesome. <laughs> <laughs> I have to admit, there's like, I love people that have different accents or anything, but in different ideas, like they'll come and, you know, maybe give you a better idea and, you know, it's, it's your choice to accept it or not, but like, I learned that if you accept it and you try it out, you can see for yourself their different point of view of how, you know, write down your emotions, write down what you feel. Mm -hmm. Thanks, Beverly. Mm -hmm. um, are there some things that you, that you are happy to share in public or even into a microphone, like today you've been reading uh, some of your writings, but do some of you have a whole other kind of writing that you do only for yourself that you don't really want anyone else to read? Well, I'm going to be honest. Uh, uh, writing was not my thing. I did not like it. I thought it was boring. I thought it was just bad. It's like prison. But uh, when I, I signed up for this uh, writing program, um, I, I figured, I learned that writing is not just about doing your homework or doing what a teacher tells you to do. It's also about uh, putting your feelings on a paper and making making stuff up or making things that you see in your, in your mind while, while other people can't see. So pretty much um, uh, writing is one of those uh, tools that uh, helps you meditate on what you want to do or what you want to think about your life or what you want to do when you grow up or uh, 
it's it's everything. It's you could if you you write one word, then you just you could just start a sentence with it. So writing is just a simple tool that uh, I just learned, and now I'm starting to start like in writing. I'm gonna start doing my homework assignments now for English, mm-hmm. but. <laughs> <laughs> But but yeah, so uh, I think I think I think writing is one of those tools that could help uh, young teenagers that are having problems mm-hmm. focus on what they're doing it because it's one of the things that uh, it's big in the world that we use these days. Right, right. So I know that in your your ordinary classrooms, obviously there are, there are lesson assignments you'll be given where there is a format you're supposed to follow. Maybe you're supposed to work on poetry or an, on narrative or something. But as we heard earlier from your teachers, this was an opportunity to do whatever you wanted to do. No rules. You choose what you want to say and how you want to say it. Was that important to the to the workshop to have that freedom? Uh, yeah, it was for me because uh, I don't like rules. But. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. I do like rules. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, uh, well, uh, our, my teacher, uh, she uh, she came out to me and she uh, uh, we had this assignment of uh, fiction. Then we had to write for a book, and I made a fiction story in about the year of 2081. And she said that I should come and try this thing out because you I have a uh, I have a talent for writing. And I didn't even know. She came and told me that, so I, I decided to take this big step on it and just mm-hmm. do it because I really don't know what, what I'm gonna do after high school. I only have one year left of school left, yeah. so uh, it's pretty much I gotta start thinking what I'm gonna do. So I think running could be one of the benefits that I could help people with. Fantastic, great, great. And is there something you'd like to say? Uh, what, what has this done for you? <laughs> uh, it's helped me write because my life is really silent like my family doesn't talk a lot. My sister has cancer, so there's lots of like not really we can't do a lot. Yeah. So it's yeah. really silent, so I write to speak out what I can't say. And mm-hmm. like my English teacher, like she does have rules, and so when we had no rules, it was kind of hard for me because yeah. I stick by the rules mm-hmm. and like with my teacher, she'll say, like, stick to nonfiction or stick to fiction. And when you have no rules, other people take it as an advantage to do whatever. And it, it was kind of hard for me to mm-hmm. start out writing. But I enjoyed coming here, and I thank my teacher for yeah. telling me to. Yeah. Yeah. Is there anybody else who wants to say something while you're all here? We're really grateful to hear what you had written. and. Thank you very much. Uh, yes, Anastasia? Mm-hmm. Well, I also really thank uh, th- this program for this experience. Uh, I'm staying here not, not for a long time so far, and that was the greatest experiment, experience I had here. And I also did like that there weren't any rules. And I think that what helped uh, people accept uh, the writings of the others. And because if there were if there were rules, uh, it it distracts people from understanding. So I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, so thank you very much for inviting us here and placing us here. That was really really great. Yeah, and thank you all. Please, big hand for our guests. Thank you. So. Uh,
Uh, as everybody gets settled here, uh, I'm going to invite our, our final group of guests up. Uh, Catherine and Dora and um, Emily will ask you to come back up as well. And I think we have a couple of guests from the International Writing Program. And uh, so please come on up and take these. Uh, hi, I'm, my name is uh, Jeffrey Poparo-Holman and I'm from New Zealand. Uh, so it's very nice to be here. And tēnā koutou, tēnā koutou, tēnā rā tātou katoa. Rangatahima, Tamarikima, Kia Kaha, Kia Ua, Kia Maya, Kito Mahi Rangatira, Narera Tena Koto, Tenara Tata Katoa, which I just said to you. Hello, you young guys, young people. Uh, be strong in your work. It's, it's a chiefly work, it's an honourable profession, so just go for it. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. It's perfect. Thanks, Jeffrey. And hello, TJ. Yes. Um, my name is TJ Dama, and uh, I write poetry and I come from Botswana and I'm here in Iowa City for 10 weeks as part of the International Writing Program. Yeah, wonderful to have you both here and we've already met Catherine and Emily and Dora. And so um, in this segment, uh, I, I just wanted to get some feedback from you. You are both professional writers and you're here for this long residency with the International Writing Program, which now is almost at the end, may not feel like quite long enough, but um, you've had this experience with Iowa students and uh, here on our campus and around the state and various visits. Um, could you give me some top line reactions to um, this project working with uh, students who are just kind of putting their voices out there, maybe for some, for the first time. I'll go to you first, TJ. Um, I mean, I, sometimes something is so obvious that it makes it very difficult to actually articulate on it. Like, to me, it's, it's common sense that if you want to preserve any kind of skill or knowledge or tool, that you would pass it down to the, to the next generation because if we do right by them, they will be here longer than us, right? And if we want them to understand that certain things are important to us, then they should be important enough for us to entrust those things, you know, mm -hmm. to them. And I think that's, that's what face-to-face -face is basically doing. Mm -hmm. There's this amazing pool of skills and knowledge in Iowa City. It's, I mean, you cannot throw a stone in the city without hitting a writer, a poet, <laughs> a, you know, a publisher, and you know, where they fall down, there'll be three more waiting to take on their publishing contract. I mean, it's just, it's, it's, it's amazing, you know, the kind of conversations that happen in the city, in the pubs, in the bars, and I'm sure in the classrooms as well, and certainly within the international writing program, you know, the pool mm -hmm. of writers who've, mm -hmm. who've come here for the IWP. And so it was amazing to see that this isn't just kind of a, a special thing that happens for 30 writers who come into the city, but that we are able to engage with mm -hmm. the community, and especially for me, that we're able to engage with young members of, of the community in, in, in Iowa and just mm -hmm. learn as much from them, really, as they are from, from us, mm -hmm. yeah. Mm -hmm. so. And, and so what is your life like in Botswana? What is your work there? I mean, when, when I'm not writing poetry, I'm sure that question comes up a lot of whether writing is actually legitimate work or whether we're just lying on a hammock somewhere waiting for go some god to channel you know the words through us but i, I assure you it's 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 a lot of work um and when i'm not doing that i actually run a small arts administration company um, and with that basically we work with 
writers, we run workshops for young people uh, in Botswana, we manage writers, help them with the administration and the contracts and just kind of planning their trajectory, you know, yeah. you should probably be reading this, you should probably apply to that program. If you're interested in running workshops or facilitating workshops, this mm -hmm. is probably the book you should read. So it's kind of a small community, really, mm -hmm. um, within a corporate setup, just because I, I'm a control freak and I like to know what's going to happen and how. So, sure. yeah, so that's, I, I run that company when I'm, when I'm back in Botswana. Yeah, wonderful, well, thank you. Well, let me turn to Jeffrey. What, what uh, is your life like when you're back in New Zealand? What is your daily preoccupation? At the moment, getting back on my own bed and sleeping. <laughs> Sounds strange. Um, no, living in a hotel has been difficult. Uh, and I also come from an earthquake zone. So for the last two years, we've had severe uh, earthquakes in New Zealand. So, um, you know, if you have enough of them, you um, don't sleep. Oh. And so, yeah, uh, my life in New Zealand, goodness. You know, I was just thinking, looking at the, the you know, the young people here, um, it's probably hard for them to believe, but I was there once where they're sitting, same age, roughly, been through it all, and one day they'll be where I am. I guess if you passed me on the street and didn't know me or know anything about me, and you were on your business and I was on mine. It would just be another old guy, right? And that's good. I mean, that's the way life is. Um, but life is personal, um, and you know, each one of you are an infinite point in the universe. Each person, to me, is unique, and that involves a view of storytelling, okay? So if I tell you something in my story now, I'm telling you an individual story. Um, others could tell something like that, but it wouldn't be quite exactly the way I am. Um, I came from a small coal mining town, right, about a thousand people, um, and I was in primary school when I wrote my first poem, I can remember, and I can remember some bits of it, um, and they're the important bits. Um, from about ten years of age I was obsessed with aeroplanes, um, and I noticed today walking through Iowa City there were about eight turkey buzzards flying over the town, yeah, because I look at that stuff, mm -hmm. that's what I look at. Um, movement in the air, and you might think, where's he going with this? Well, I wrote this poem about the Wright brothers, who, as you know, ran a bicycle shop in Dayton, Ohio. Did you know that? <laughs> and they, they were able, because of their engineering skill, to make a light engine, which was able to be got off the ground. And because it's not the power of the engine that lifts the aeroplane, it's the lift, the change in the air pressure under the wings. How do I know this? Because I'm obsessive about aeroplanes. Okay, so I wrote this poem, and it goes like this, um, in two parts. I miss out the middle. On a windy day in 1903, at Kitty Hawk Sands, down by the sea. I forget the middle, but I know how it ends. Right? The brothers had done what they set out to do in a plane made of paper and stuck down with glue. Now that's pretty crude, isn't it? Or is it? No, it's got several things going that you know about. It has a beginning and it has an end, and also knows that poetry, as I perceived it then, had rhythm and rhyme. So I got these ideas from somewhere. I got one through reading, okay, and I'm telling you this for your own benefit, and the second I got through my own experience. I'd read about the Wright brothers, and I'd built model airplanes. Put the two together, I made a poem. Um, so today, a long way from that, I'm sitting in a university building in um, Christchurch, New Zealand, hoping that, hoping that it won't shake again. Um, and, and I'm in an office, and I'm looking at a computer, um, and I'm still writing poetry. Um, so, you know, my place in the universe today outwardly looks like um, an old guy on the point of retirement, um, sitting in an office in a university, um, plugging computer keys. There are millions of us throughout the world like that. But I'm still that same person, um, an embryo that I was back then. So, you know, 
Um, I just think it's very exciting to be here today and see these, see these guys. And I remember Miguel from my class and Juliet. And I remember seeing others of you performing at the end. Um, you know, and it would have been great if we'd had something like this when I was um, 12 or 13 in high school. Mm -hmm. But I did have an English teacher who could see that I could write. And um, he was an amazing guy because he was a writer himself, fortunately, for me. And he would bring his um, writing drafts along to school, right? You know about revision, when you write something and you have to rewrite it? Yeah, you're all nodding. Because um, nothing comes out perfect. Um, it's all work. And he showed us these drafts, yeah? And for the first time in my life, I saw what a working writer does at the age of 14. So it wasn't a creative writing class as such, it was an English class. Um, so somewhere between the Wright brothers and there and where I am now is a sort of slowly developing um, writing. I won't call it a career, I hate that word. I mean, you know, writing isn't a career, um, especially if you're a poet. You, know, you may as well burn money or bungee jump without a rope. You know, there, there's no future in, in writing poetry for money. Um, but you're the future, I guess. That's what I'd say. Yeah. You know? Yeah, and so, so what was, you both talked about how fun it was to work with uh, these young people, but you've also gone out, I, were both of you out in one of the more distant locations in Iowa for the workshops? Uh, TJ, did you go to one of the locations? Yes. Uh, I went out to, to Spirit Lake, to oh. Okoboji, yeah. and to Fayette. Is that how you Fayette, say it? Uh -huh. Yeah, I'm still trying to get my pronunciation right, yeah. but yeah. Yeah, so you saw a good span of Iowa as you drove out there. Yes, and, and it reminded me more of home probably than Iowa City because I come from corn country and cattle country, so kind yeah. of that was very comforting because uh, knowing that you're going to face a room full of teenagers can be quite a, a, a daunting <laughs> feeling, you know. Um, they're so smart and, you know, yeah. you heard from their reading, their, their imagery is so strong and they think through things very carefully but in an instinctive way, mm -hmm. you know, that, that, and I think it's important, that's why it's important to have the conversations with them at that age and to yeah. say, you're already doing it right, just, you know, just keep doing that. Mm -hmm. You just need to keep doing more of, of what you're already doing instinctively. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, beautiful, beautiful uh, views, driving mm -hmm. in and out of, of, of Iowa. I think maybe I probably should have done more of that. I might have gotten more writing done if I just <laughs> sat in the back of some car and had a chauffeur, and I'm, <laughs> I'm looking here, Joe Tiefenthaler from the IWP, to hint heavily for the next set of writers. <laughs> yeah, and, and what would you say? Uh, where did you go for the workshop? Did you leave town? Uh, we went to Otomoa uh, and Indian Hills College. Wonderful. Right yeah, yeah. yeah. We nearly didn't get there because we had a driver, but our, na our navigator didn't turn up. And the driver's sitting there saying, I need an escort. I thought, what does she mean? Are there going to be people there with guns? Um, <laughs> but she just didn't know how to get to Otomwa. And yeah. finally she made a phone call and kind of... Um, I navigated us there with my iPhone. Um, which is, so we got there late and had to sort of jump into a couple of other classes. So we were just sitting there really and, and watching the, the leaders of the class who are here yeah. today um, yeah. and trying to help a little bit. Yeah. And we had Belagros Socorro from Venezuela with us and we told the, the young people a few stories as well. And then... You know, I even joined in and wrote some poems. So really, I just think I was a class member. Um, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But um, it was important to be there, um, simply because you know we're supporting and, and mentoring, even just by being there. Mm. Um, and, you know, that same school teacher. There are a lot of stories about kids um, or writers um, pursuing other writers, like you know Robert Lowell went down south to Alan Tate and, and lived in his house, and um, Brodsky escaped from Russia and came over and. You know, camped on W.H. Auden's lawn. Now, these ma names mean nothing to you, but to me they're important because I, I chased my school teacher. 
And when school was finished and I was working, I went out and knocked on his door and said, can I visit you? Mm -hmm. you know? So, you know, you need support, and he's supported me for many years. Um, because there's a condition in writing, you know, that I've experienced where you can, be, you can be confident and egotistical, and deep down, you think you'll never write again. And if you guys keep writing, you'll never escape that tension between thinking I can do it, knowing you can do it, and wondering if you can. Um, and you can only prove that by doing it every day, which is, you know, TJ mentioned something about practice, you know, you've got to keep writing. Um, so it's part of helping people um, see themselves as writers. You know, it wasn't until I was about 30 where this teacher said to me, you know, you are a writer. I thought, oh, really? <laughs> mm -hmm. um, I didn't have much confidence. Um, but confidence isn't necessarily the greatest asset. I think humility and the willingness to learn um, mm -hmm. and be taught, but also to read. You know, I think I always read. Um, even when you can't be in a creative writing class um, or getting bored, um, <laughs> you can always read. Mm -hmm. you know? And if you're a writer, I think you, know, you just will read naturally and something of that will rub off. So um, one thing I said in the class is encouraging the, the kids to read, yeah. you know, to find models. And you f you, you'll find what we, what we call um, a strong ancestor, you know, someone who really, really talks to you and so you absorb that person, write like them, do all that stuff, and eventually you have to kill them. But, you know, they're very important on that journey. Mm -hmm. I mean, this is probably a bit above your heads, but, you know, you have to find people that mean something to you as writers, um, in my experience. Mm -hmm. um, because they're like your writing teachers, right. not just the human beings you meet in class. Mm -hmm. uh, so, Dora, uh, as we come to the end of the discussion here today, I want to bring you back to those of you who, who organized this uh, project, at least those of you who are here uh, at the mic. Um, it seems to me as though this has been a very productive activity. I mean, is, is there hope that as time goes on, these kinds of get-togethers can continue to happen and that uh, the Youth Writing Project and IWP may on a yearly basis be able to uh, put some of these workshops together? I would very much hope that that's the case and that we can do this again next year and, and, keep, and, and start building relationships between communities and between generations. Um, and I think that this, this program, we were lucky to have um, the public engagement grant, we were lucky to have the partnership from the IWP. Um, but I have to say, just for the record, um, this is sort of the tip of the iceberg of these kind of grassroots efforts of people like Catherine and Emily, um, who uh, believe that writing is something that has a relationship with the community and belongs in the community and believes that young people's voices are valuable. Um, so I believe that the specific face-to-face -face program will happen again, but I also am really looking forward to manifestations of programs like this through the Youth Writing Project in communities in here in Iowa City and all over Iowa. So I'm just very excited about, about uh, the future of these young writers and the future of the Youth Writing Project um, and the future in general. <laughs> very good. Uh, Catherine, Emily, uh, would you like to say anything to sort of wrap up the discussion about this year's project? There will be more to come. <laughs> I don't know. I think... It's amazing, it's been incredible working with the young people and I can't wait to continue um, working with you and others, all of Iowa. Mm -hmm. Thanks. Um, I was just thrilled to be a part of its first year and yeah, I think everyone said what was really important and I hope that it keeps going. Mm -hmm. Did I read that you are um, gonna be working with one of the neighborhood um, groups here in Iowa City, one of the community centers? Is that Catherine or is that you, Emily? 
<laughs> Unless you're doing it too, I don't know. <laughs> um, yeah, on Wednesdays for an after-school program at the Pheasant Ridge Neighborhood Center, I work with third graders, and then there's other Iowa Youth Writing Project volunteers working with kindergartners. So, Fantastic, yeah. great. Well, um, let's have a hand for everybody here. This has been wonderful. Mm. Yeah, and, and um, not to leave the most important part of this whole day out, uh, here's a hand for you kids. Please give yourselves a hand for the work you've done. So just to wrap up our program, a reminder that this is World Canvas, a production of international programs here at the University of Iowa. We've been coming to you from the wonderful Writers' Workshop on the campus of the university. Very grateful to have been able to do the program here. We're so glad that you're able to join us. Uh, and anyone watching this program on TV can also catch it on iTunes. The podcast will be posted very soon. You can find more information at international.uiowa.edu. So for today, thanks very much. I'm Joan Kerr. Bye-bye.